0: Welcome to the Draft Deeper podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. One more solo performance from yours truly before we get to the 2021 NBA Draft, our live draft show that we will be doing the same night that you're listening to this podcast, the night of the draft, um, Thursday, the 29th. We will have it live on our YouTube channel, which we will have linked all over social media. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Uh, We will be going live with NBA draft historian Matthew Maurer, as well as Jordan and Jonathan Ennis from the assisted development podcast and website. I am very excited for that live show and we will have enough to react to on that night, but I wanted to get some final thoughts in about the, the, the top 10-ish or so picks, because I've seen so many thoughts now coming out this week. All of the major media outlets, the NBA season's over, the finals are over, the Milwaukee Bucks are champs. So everyone has pivoted to conversations surrounding the draft, surrounding potential trades, which I will definitely be reacting to a trade in a second. A little bit of breaking news from our, our friend Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, there's just so many thoughts bubbling up. All of the conversation is naturally around the top 10 or top 14 picks in the draft, the lottery. We over at Draft Deeper here have done what I would consider to be a very good job covering way past those top 14 picks. We did three tiers podcasts outlining 90 different NBA draft prospects. So that's even outside of the top 60. I gave you about 30 other guys who can be undrafted free agent targets slash honorable mentions on top of those 60 guys as well. Broke down the majority of those top 60 guys in amazing detail. All of those podcasts are available on our feed as well. So I won't take the time to give detailed evaluations on some of these guys you may see pop up in the top 10. But I just want to give my final thoughts before we definitely get to draft night. So the Detroit Pistons are expected to take Cade Cunningham with the number one overall pick. There have been so many thoughts put on the interwebs about what if Detroit does not take Cade? What if they trade back with Houston or Cleveland? What if they recoup assets? What if they like somebody like a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley more than Cade Cunningham? The case against Cade Cunningham, all of these things have come out recently and My final word on that conversation is just take Cade Cunningham. He's a 6'8 wing, one of the most versatile offensive players in this draft class. There's so much that we've talked about on this podcast that my audience, if you've been listening to me over the last few weeks, you already know all this stuff. But he was a 44% shooter in college, 40% from three, 85% from the free throw line, 1.6 steals per game was in the 87th percentile and isolation scoring turned out to be one of the best pure bucket getters in this entire draft class. And that was the biggest question mark I had on him coming into college was we know all the things he can do with the ball in his hands from a passing perspective. He has the vision, the size, the length at six eight to make everyone else around him better and also not get him into trouble handling the basketball. He's a, a pretty smart decision maker he had four turnovers per game in college, but if you go back and watch the tape, you already know by now that a lot of that was due to miscommunication and or misexecution execution within that Oklahoma State offense as a whole. Not all of those turnovers per game were always on Cade Cunningham. Um, but the main question was, could he get his own shot when he needed to? And in turn, could he also step up at the end of games and be that clutch time shot maker, that he would need to be if he was a number one option, if we were taking him with the number one overall pick, dubbing him as a guy who we see as a first option on a championship level team. And he answered those questions for me. I don't have any more questions surrounding his shot making. And you can pick apart certain pieces to his game. You can pick apart the fact that he isn't an elite athlete. There are things that you can say that would be deemed as negatives. But We act like at the same time that Cade Cunningham is this perfect prospect who is done, he's done developing, um, and that he's not going to be potentially exponentially better than what he is right now. And I just don't want to see the door shut on that case. I still think Cade is going to be a much better player by year three, four in the league. And we're going to look back on this. And if for whatever reason he wouldn't go number one, we're all going to look around and be like, why didn't he go number one? We said this all year long. We beat the drum. Why wasn't he the first overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft? So Detroit, don't be that team. Don't make the mistake. Don't overthink it. Take Kate Cunningham at number one and enjoy having a lineup that features players no smaller than than six foot five as a starting lineup potentially. That is one incredible asset to have in today's NBA. Amazing versatility when you talk about Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart. like. Those four guys with Cade Cunningham, that's something real in the Eastern Conference. That's a team, if all goes well with, with Cade, and he is the player that I think he's going to be in year one, you take a look at the back half of the East all the time. You, you look at which teams can actually challenge for a playoff spot. Detroit could challenge for like the eighth seed in the East if everything goes well with that lineup. So I do not say that lightly. I expect a lot from Cade Cunningham, but I've also seen enough evidence that those expectations are proper for him and that he can carry a load and he's going to be an impact player in the league from day one. So just take Cade Cunningham. Houston at number two. Cleveland at number three. Houston, I've said this at many other points on the podcast as well, since we knew what the draft order was. They have Kevin Porter Jr., a dynamic shot creating and shot making guard. Pair him with another shot maker that's on par with him or potentially to an even greater caliber in Jalen Green. We've seen it time and time again when you have multiple plus level creators on the perimeter. Your team's generally in a pretty good spot as long as you have the other uh, requisite pieces in place around them. And you'd have Kevin Porter Jr., you'd have Jalen Green, you have guys who are willing to mix it up and play defense like a Jay Sean Tate like a Kenyon Martin Jr. You have Christian Wood, who is like a hybrid 4-5 type player who can do a lot of things out of pick and roll, can protect the rim, stretch the floor. He's obviously a really interesting big man to have in the fold. You have other draft picks, or if you want to move some of those other draft picks in the back end of the first round, 23 and 24, you can do so. You can get another pick that's more towards the middle of the first round. You can build your team out the way you see fit if you're Raphael Stone. If that really means you like Evan Mobley that much and you take Mobley at number two, I'm not knocking Evan Mobley as a prospect. I just think at number two, when we're talking about my tier one, MVP caliber players, the level of score and two-way player, because not enough people talk about Jalen Green's defensive impact as well. We have on this podcast, but not a lot of people always bring that up everything you get from an intangible standpoint with Jalen Green, I just think that he's the guy at number two. And if the Rockets are able to bring him in and add, continue to add some more pieces around him to Kevin Porter Jr., that's a dynamic team in the Western Conference that can make significant noise like three, four years down the road. So that would be my pick. And then I've always thought that You can have Evan Mobley as the second best prospect on your board. You can have him as the first best prospect on your board. I wouldn't put him over Cade Cunningham. I think a reasonable conversation can be had between Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. I've had that conversation with myself. I prefer Jalen Green to Evan Mobley. That's why I have Evan Mobley in a tier two, which by the way, there's only two players in my tier one. There's only two players in my tier two, and I would deem a tier two player as somebody who can be like a max contract type player, like a guaranteed max contract type player. There's no questions about whether he's a max, whether he's a near max. That's the type of player and level of importance I think Evan Mobley's game brings to the table. And I think that he would do a lot of things well for Cleveland that they need. Their backcourt, while Darius Garland's playmaking definitely took a step forward in the right direction last year, I wouldn't consider him this all-world playmaker either. Colin Sexton, we know, is a score-first guard if they keep him in the fold. If they continue to build around that backcourt, you build around somebody else on the wing like Isaac Okoro, who isn't exactly a pass-first type wing either. He can make sound decisions when he's given the opportunity, but he's not a natural passer of the basketball. He's much more wired to be like a third or fourth option type of player, somebody who can contribute to scoring where he sees fit. He'll continue to develop offensively, but that's not what he is right now. And then obviously, it looks like they're going to have Jared Allen in the full long term as well. You're more traditional rim running, protect the rim type big man. He's not going to be making plays for everyone else either. Evan Mobley is a really good passer for somebody his size. He has excellent court vision at seven feet tall. I wouldn't consider him this alpha type scoring option. By any means, I know that he is very talented. He can potentially score from all three levels on the court in time, but I wouldn't consider him as somebody who at the end of a game, is he going to be your first or second scoring option? I don't think he has that in him from a mentality standpoint. I'm not questioning his work ethic. I'm not questioning his motor, his love for the game. There's just a conversation to be had that some guys just are not built to be that guy but they still do so many other things well at a high level on the basketball court where they are undoubtedly excellent pieces to have on your team. And Mobley can be that offensive initiating type big man, someone who can in time run inverted pick and rolls, offer a different dimension to ball movement to the offense. And that's somebody who I think could just help a lot of those other Cleveland players succeed in their roles offensively, and then, obviously, defensively, you talk about a front line with Okoro, Mobley, and Jared Allen. Like, yeah, you can talk about the defensive shortcomings of Garland and Sexton, but when you have that level of a front line defensively behind them, it's okay for those two smaller guards to maybe let a bigger guy blow by them every now and then. And then that ball handler has to make decisions when he's forced into traffic with those three guys, with their length and their, their defensive anticipation. And awareness. Like, those are some tough decisions and some tough situations that those opposing ball handlers are going to have to face if they go up against that level of a front line. So, from an offensive standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, I've always thought that Evan Mobley's best fit was in Cleveland. And I think that that should be the pick at number three, barring any other movement. And then Toronto at number four. Again, this is an easy pick to me. Just take Jalen Suggs. He is tailor made to fill in for Kyle Lowry. He can be one of their point guards and or combo guards for the future, along with Fred Van Vliet. You can split playmaking responsibilities between the both of them, and I think that that team can definitely flourish in the long term and obviously defensively. I know Mike Schmitz of ESPN loves to rave about Jalen uh, Suggs' defense, and so have I many times on this podcast. But all the other intangibles he brings to the table, his leadership, his charisma, there's just so much to like about Jalen Suggs that if I'm an executive, I would lose sleep at night if I wasn't taking Jalen Suggs with a top pick. So that's what I would do if I was Toronto. And then the conversation becomes a lot more fluid when you go in that five to 10 range. I would expect Scotty Barnes to go off the board in that range. I would expect Jonathan Kaminga to go off the board in that range. There's been a lot of buzz about guys like Moses Moody, Franz Wagner. Jalen Johnson, potentially James Booknight out of all of those guys seems to be the name that's honestly in play from like five on his stock has risen tremendously. We started off this process as far as listening to major media consensus about Booknight being a target for Orlando at number eight, seems like Golden State and even Oklahoma City are now targeting him at pick seven and six, respectively. So his name has been on the rise. And then you get into some names that are of personal preference. For me, that would be guys like a Jerry Butler, like an and Shengun, a Jaden Springer, Isaiah Jackson. There's so many other names you can throw in there. I've heard Sharif Cooper's name being mentioned as somebody who's rising upwards. A lot of different prospects that you can talk about in that range. Um, and I've gone over some of my preferred fits on our mock draft podcast that we did with Matt Maurer, so I don't need to go through all of those fits now. But I'll close out this podcast because we got very interesting news that Memphis and New Orleans made a trade, and honestly, I was blown away by it. I did not know how to process it when it first came through, but basically, the trade's being finalized, not official at the time of us recording this podcast, but a trade the send. Jonas Valanciunas and 2021 number 17 at 51 picks to New Orleans for Steven Adams. Eric Bledsoe picks 10 and 40 in a protected 2022 first round pick via the Los Angeles Lakers. So that's the reported trade that's out there. It's also being reported by Chris Haynes that Eric Bledsoe might not remain in Memphis. They'll likely keep Steven Adams in tow, which is fine. If you're swapping out Valanciunas, you still want some kind of other really reliable big body to play next to Jaron Jackson Jr. as just given some of his injury concerns, you don't want him being the five for extended minutes. You don't want him banging down low against some of those bigger bodies we can talk about in the league, like Jokic Shannon Bean, etc. So that's a good fit for them. But I think the reason why Memphis would make this trade is that they see an opportunity to move up and get a guy that they like with that 10th pick There's also been some rumblings that maybe they move up even further past 10. Maybe they get up into like the six or seven range. Maybe there's somebody there even past 10 that they really like. There are a number of players that I think could fit for Memphis at 10. The name that I thought was connected to Memphis the most when they were at 17 was Chris Duarte. Is taking Chris Duarte at 10 too much of a reach? If Memphis likes him that much, maybe not, because Chris Duarte's also gotten a lot of lottery buzz over the last week and a half as well. So maybe there's been a team in the back half of that lottery who has put out strong signals, cough, cough, the Warriors, that they want to take him at like 14. And the Grizzlies are like, no, he's our guy. We want to move up to get him. And they saw an opportunity to not only buy into the top 10 of this draft, but also pick up a player like Steven Adams who helps them continue to keep winning games next year. And that's not always the case for a lottery pick or any rookie for that matter. Um, I would float out the idea of maybe considering somebody like Alper and Shen at 10, if he doesn't go earlier than that. And maybe that's a guy who Memphis wanted to trade up for, because he's another guy who's been mocked to San Antonio, to Charlotte, to Indiana he, he's been around that like 11 to 14 range, so if that's a guy that Memphis sees as maybe he's not all the way there yet next year, but he's also 18 years old, he's somebody who has skills that we know will translate to the league, and he's also young and will continue to blossom in his own right, maybe that's the type of home run swing we take in the top 10. He'd be an interesting fit next to somebody like Jaron Jackson would give the Grizzlies offensive versatility from that big man standpoint that... They had some of it with Valanciunas, but I wouldn't consider Valanciunas the level of potentially plus playmaker and passer that Shen can be in time in the NBA. So there's just so many interesting rumblings going on right now in NBA draft circles. And I just wanted to get some of my final thoughts out there. This is not a long podcast. This is just a little treat for my audience on draft day. And just one final note, There will be a lot of picks made on draft night that will make people ecstatic, especially some people in some certain fan bases. There will be picks on draft night that are heavily scrutinized, where people think that teams took a player too early. They reached for a player too quickly. Just do me a favor, and anyone on social media can feel free to call me out the night of the draft, or you can comment in the YouTube comments on our live draft show. Help me remember this as well. Just sit back when you see a draft made, draft selection made, take a deep breath, analyze the pick from multiple contexts, not just the classic immediate, oh, well, he was in the 20s on my big board and somebody took him in the lottery. They reach for that guy. That's not a good pick for that team. I think the Phoenix Suns come to mind most recently because they took Cameron Johnson Everyone thought that was a reach. Well, he was a really valuable player for a team that went to the finals this year. And then they also took Jalen Smith, somebody who really didn't see the court for them at all this year and wasn't ready to play in the playoffs. So it can go both ways. Just try to have as objective of a lens that you're looking through as possible when evaluating the draft, especially so early on in the process on draft night. These kids are 18, 19, 19. I know some of them are older, 22, 23 years old, but the majority of these guys are between 18 and 20 years old. They're kids. I did not have everything figured out in my life, certainly at that age, to an extent. I still don't. I'm 27, but I think everybody matures and progresses through life at different paces, and that certainly plays itself out in the NBA. The NBA is a very, very, very tough league. The game of basketball is simple in some contexts and difficult in others. Give these kids patience. And room to grow. And more often than not, we're generally satisfied with the results as fans of the game of basketball. So, those are my last pieces in podcast form on the 2021 NBA draft for now. I will make sure that I get a reactions podcast up on this feed shortly after the draft, sometime after the draft, within a day or two after the draft. Got to give me a little bit of time to process some of these picks as well. Certainly be reacting to everything going on in the live show. I cannot wait to see as many of you on the YouTube stream as possible. I understand that there's a ton of draft shows that are going to be live that night. Spend a little bit of time with us. You don't have to watch the entire stream with us, although that would be be much appreciated. That would mean more to me than you could possibly understand. But at least stop in for a little bit. Engage with us. Ask us questions while we're on air. Everyone that I have on the draft show that night is always engaging with people on social media. They're great guys. They're more than happy to talk to anyone out there and answer any questions that you might have. Engage with us. That's what this platform is all about. I I think I've done a pretty good job so far of building an open platform where I'm engaging with as many people as I can. I'm going on as many different shows and podcasts, et cetera, that I can because I want to talk to all of you. I want to get better at this process of scouting and understanding basketball as much as all of you do so thank you all again so much for all of the support you've shown me over the last few days i shouted him out on the last podcast he'll get one more shout out here chad ford pioneer in the industry took some time to see one of my tweets and retweet it to show us some support On this platform, I can't thank him enough, not only for that kind gesture, but also for the work that he's done over the years to be a pioneer and pave the way for people like me to be able to exist in a space like this and offer some incredible draft content for for everyone out there. So thank you so much, Chad, for everything you did. Thank you all for listening. Again, if you aren't following us on Twitter, make sure you do so at Draft Deeper. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Draft is here, everyone. Enjoy it. I will see you all afterwards to react properly to all the picks made. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Happy draft night.